Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 192. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, the illustrious Kevin Rakestraw. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Cool, cool. Yeah. I'm doing okay too, thanks for asking. No problem. This week on the show, <laughs> we uh, have not one, but two dramas lined up. Oh, Going the drama route. I feel like we haven't tackled any serious dramas in a while. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. So we're going to be talking about James White, which is playing in limited release right now, and we're also going to be talking about Mediterranean, which is playing in limited release as well. That's also on demand right now. Of course, we'll be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, and Blu-ray releases. Uh, let's start things off today with some news items. I don't have a whole lot to talk about as far as news. Yeah. There's always a lot of news, but I feel like a lot of this stuff is just not even worth no, most mentioning. Of most of it's worthless. Yeah, a lot of it's just fluff. This is just fluff. fluff. You know, there's some Wonder Woman news that came out late this week. There was like some pictures of Gal Gadot and uh, some more cast members were announced, but it was just like, I was just tired. You know, I just didn't feel like writing it down. <laughs> It's like, I just don't, I just don't care. I don't care about that. So anyway, I don't either. I don't either. first up, Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant will connect Prometheus to the original 1979 Alien film. Oh. And yeah, so this was, uh, there was a title treatment that was released earlier this week. And with that title treatment, they also announced that the new, the new uh, Ridley Scott film is going to connect the two movies. Oh, boy. That's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I find it funny because I'm pretty sure that they ne- originally they never wanted... I think Prometheus was never really supposed to connect to Alien at all. And then through, like, the rewrites and all of that stuff, I think that they decided, yes, let's, let's make it all connect. And then that ending, which, you know, sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also confirmed that Michael Fassbender will be returning as David. The android. Oh, is it just going to be his head? I don't know. I don't know how they're... You can rebuild them. Whatever. I hope they just put it, like, in a little jar. (laughs) Futurama style. Well, in Alien 3, Bishop was there, and he was pretty much just a head. His body was all jacked up, and he was there, so... I don't know. What do you think about this? Is this this cool? I guess. I didn't hate Prometheus, (laughs) first of all, so... I thought Prometheus was all right. It just it really sucks about that ending. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a joke. Yeah, it felt it felt a little heavy-handed that ending. It felt a little too fan servicey because it didn't make sense. Like it made it really made no sense. Well, so even hope- even the thing before that with the, you know, spaceship yeah. rolling. It's like a cartoon. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we'll see. I I'm interested. I'm a huge fan of the Alien series. I like all of them, even Resurrection, even that one. And that one was really ridiculous. I still liked it. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see where they go with this. No, no other details have been revealed just yet. So this one, this one's a little ways off, but still pretty excited for it. Alien Covenant is the Ooh, name. The Covenant. Yeah. Next up, Edgar Wright to co-write and direct an animated film for DreamWorks Animation. 
Okay. This will be his first animated movie. What do you think about this? Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going to be working on this with David Walliams, who is one of the guys behind Little Britain. Okay. Are you familiar with Little Britain? No, I'm not. I'm aware of its existence, but I've never seen it, so I can't really... You know that it exists. Yeah, like I... It's a thing. You know it's a thing. I think that it's one of those goofy British shows where the the people would dress up, like it'd be the same character, same actors, and they'd dress up as different characters. I feel like that's a big thing in the UK, you know, like, uh, what was that, The League of Gentlemen? Was Mm -hmm. Was that the name of it? I think that's what it was. I could never get into that show. I could never get into that show either. The only I remember there was only there's one sketch that they did that made me laugh and it was at the vet's office and he there was a sick turtle and he put uh like an air like an oxygen mask on the turtle and it was the pressure was so high that it blew the turtle out of the shell. <laughs> uh, that, I remember that made me laugh just the way that they did that effect. It was there's, funny. There's not enough turtle comedy. No. No, I agree. Uh, So that could be good. Apparently, so there was this animated film that was kind of in the works at DreamWorks, and it was about a a shadow who decides to take over the the his host's body. Okay. So, like, I think Josh Gad was oh Jesus voicing this. Kind of boring, boring guy who ends up in this kind of crazy situation, and I believe it was, I believe it was Bill Hader who voiced the Shadow, and he had to like help his his person get through this adventure. But I think that what's happening is they're taking that story, or Edgar Wright's taking that story and kind of reworking it. So it may be similar. It's called. It was originally called Me and My Shadow. That's clever. Took yeah. a lot of creativity. <laughs> um, well, we'll see. I, I like the idea of Edgar Wright doing an animated film. I think it could be a really cool idea. The only thing that makes me not concerned, but just kind of questioning it, is that Edgar Wright has such a visual style to him. You know, like yeah. a lot of his comedy comes from the visuals and how he cuts things. And I'll be interested to see how that translates into animation. It should be, it should actually be perfect for him. You'd think so. Because he can do even more. Because if you you look at Scott Pilgrim, you know, that was live action, but it had a lot of animation in it. So, more of that, please. Yes. Get it. Ben Wheatley set to direct a Wages of Fear remake. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think it is a great idea. It's a terrible idea. ah, I think it is. I think it is a good idea. It's terrible. Why? I I think it's a good idea. I like the idea of this story being remade, you know, every couple of decades with a new vision. Because if you see comparing The Wages of Fear with Sorcerer, the William Freakin one, it's the same basic premise, but the stories are wildly different. And I think that Ben Wheatley can come in and do if it's different enough. Like if it's a if it's like a shot for shot remake or something, not needed, unnecessary. Yeah. What I'm hoping is that he'll lend his own voice and his own style to it. And I like the idea of these uh unique directors coming in and kind of remaking this classic story 
you know, for a new generation. I, I, I think it could be, it has potential to be really great. Well, everything has potential. I don't think so. I don't think Gem and the Holograms have potential. <laughs> in the right hands, it does. Everything <laughs> has potential in the right hand. I, I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Did you hear, this is not part of the news list, but did you hear that they pulled it from theaters after two weeks? Really? Yeah. It wow. made like a million dollars. It was it was one of the worst uh one of the worst wide release openings ever. It made an average of like five hundred dollars per theater per screen. It's it's kind of funny how like poorly these movies are doing. I just I don't know. I get enjoyment out of it for some reason. So do I, just because I'm hoping that Hollywood will catch on. They'll realize that this is not what we want anymore. <laughs> they won't. They won't. No, I guess not. Oddly, I also found out that that movie, Gem and the Holograms, was only a $5 million movie, so they obviously didn't have uh, that much faith in it to begin with. In that sense, it didn't, it didn't do too poorly. Yeah. Uh, new trailers this week. Got a bunch of new trailers. Oh, got cool. some got some good ones, got some not so good ones. We have The Boss, that's the new Melissa McCarthy one. That's um it's directed by her husband. I can't remember his name. Uh he also did Tammy. Uh so The Boss is basically she plays this uh, kind of rich business mogul who ends up going to jail for for insider trading and loses everything and then ends up moving in with her assistant. And mm-hmm. has to, I guess she she kind of takes this uh, her assistant's daughter under her wing and starts creating a, a like a brownie empire or something. I don't know. Okay, All right. there, there's a couple things in the trailer that made me laugh. But if you've ever seen a Melissa McCarthy movie before, then you know what to expect. Okay, yeah. who knows? It could, it could be a surprise. I mean, it could be like Identity Thief or Tammy, or it could be like Spy, which I really enjoyed. You never know what you're getting. Never know what you're going to get. Midnight Special. Um, this is the new one from uh, Jeff Nichols with Michael Shannon. Uh, pretty excited for this one. Actually, I, I, I like Jeff Nichols. You're, Nichols. You're, you're, you're a Nichols fan, right? I'm, uh, I'm like on the fence with Nichols. I'm on the fence. Okay. That's where I'm so, at. So basically, this one is uh, stars Michael Shannon he finds out that his son has powers like superpowers and some other people discover that he has superpowers as well. And he's kind of on the run from presumably the government who's trying to do tests and stuff on him. You gotta do those tests. I think it has potential. I I think it definitely has potential. I'll, I'll be seeing it for sure. I think it looks quite good. Interesting. Yeah. Joel, Joel Edgerton's in it. Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Adam Driver's in it as well, so good, really good cast. Sam Shepard. Well, yeah, you gotta check it out, Sam Shepard. I, I was just, I was just gonna say, you put Sam Shepard in it, and I'm gonna go see it regardless. Cause yeah, I love, I love me some Shepard. I get that Shepard. Yeah, he, he rarely makes bad decisions. So yeah, uh, let's see what else we got here on the trailer. Watch now, you see me too. Got a new teaser <laughs> trailer. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, Zoolander two gets a gets a trailer. Okay. Were you That's a fun. fan of Zoolander the first one? No, Zoolander one, I guess is what you would call it. Not really, but I, I don't know. It's one of those where when it came out back then, 
I didn't like it, but I, it kind of grew on me over the years. I'm not like sure it. why. The only thing I like about Zoolander is the gas station fight. That's it. Oh, God, yes. That was amazing. Everything else about that movie is absolute garbage. I can't stand it. The Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. <laughs> I think it has its moments. But this this new one, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Because I feel like we... Like, this year has been a complete garbage year for comedies. And I'm I'm thinking, like, maybe we need a movie like Zoolander 2 to, to bring us back to the heyday of, of comedies. I guess. Because if you think back back around when the first Zoolander came out, there were comedies coming out left and right. Because that's when, like, Will Ferrell was starting to become big. And it was just, like, this whole thing. There, was, there were all these really great comedies coming out. Yeah, Zoolander wasn't one of them, though. No, I, well, I don't think... No. A lot of people love Zoolander, though. Yeah, it was it was okay for me. It was like it was like a meh for me. Uh, let's see. We also have the Bronze. I'm actually really excited for this, and I think you if you haven't checked out the trailer for this, I haven't one, heard I, of anything. I, I think you yeah, I think you should watch the trailer for this after we're done recording because it sort of reminds me of uh, what's what? Oh God, what's it called? Damn it, fist. Uh, the one with um. Fucking <laughs> Danny McBride, Foot Fist Way. Oh, okay. So it sort of reminds me of that, but it's basically about a a girl who is a bronze medalist uh, in gymnastics, and she's kind of trying to find her way after winning the bronze. Yeah. And she's she's like extremely foul mouthed, and it's just uh, it looks fun. Looks like a fun one. Yeah kind of uh kind of into that one and finally on trailers we have central intelligence this is with the rock and kevin hart uh, this is a teaser trailer too so they don't give too much away in this one but come on it just looks like the more of the same i mean it might be funny there's a scene at the very end of the teaser where the rock is in a fat suit and it's actually kind of funny <laughs> dude still doing fat suits yeah, we're, still, yeah we're, we're still doing that. We're, we're, we're still <laughs> fat shaming. Okay. Right. We're going we're gonna to get back into fat shaming later on in the show, but oh boy. That's, that's pretty much it for news. Let's go ahead and move on to our first review of the day. Which, which one do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. Start with James White. Okay, we'll start with James White. That's one I, I watched first anyway. So Same here. So this is written and directed by Josh Mond. Uh, I have a synopsis here. James, a 21-year-old New Yorker, struggles to take control of his self-destructive behavior in the face of momentous family challenges. It stars Christopher Abbott, Cynthia Nixon, Ron Livingston's in there too, and Kid Cudi. Yeah. So do you want to start it off, Kevin, or do you want me to start it? Oh, I, I, you start it off. Okay. First off, I will throw out a disclaimer. I I don't typically like movies that that center around uh, cancer. I just don't like cancer movies. They make me feel bad, and I, I just I always have a, a hard time with them. Gotcha. Th- and this movie in particular, uh, just because man, this this is a this was a pretty heavy drama to get. Yeah. Through. This yeah. this was a pretty heavy one because he. This isn't like, I don't think this is a movie that has spoilers, but he loses his father and his mother has cancer. And it's basically just about him 
trying to cope and trying to deal with it and trying to not completely lose his shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the highlight for me was the performances, especially from Christopher Abbott. Holy shit. I feel like he he just he killed it in this movie. Yeah, he is quite good. You know, I haven't seen a lot of his of his work. I mainly know him from girls, but I feel like he just he he really did an excellent job in this. And uh overall I'd say yeah, I I, I liked the movie quite a bit. Uh I was I was a little I was a little worried, I must say, because like the the beginning portions of this film I was not into it at all. You mean like was, really early on when he yeah, like just, I was just, just where he's and... just where he's just a piece of shit, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh my god, this is fucking terrible. I hate this guy so much. He's yeah. the absolute worst. I hope it's not this the entire time because I I can't get behind it because he's just an absolute piece of shit. It's just like him being you know super macho and super selfish and everything and it's just it's really difficult to take and then so for me it was really like i i hope something happens here something needs to change please and then it does and it kind of takes this turn and which i thought was perfect and it really made up for everything that happened in the beginning because then you kind of you look back at it and you see it in a different light and you realize why it was there to begin with and you you know the director essentially i'm hoping wanted you to feel that way about this guy that you wanted to see him as you know an extremely selfish person that's just you know everything's about him even though things oh. are to his family but he takes it as an opportunity to just throw himself a pity party really i think he's entitled to everything yeah i mean that's one way of looking at it i i looked at it as just him trying to cope with this loss, this profound loss in his life, and, and not not just that, but the constant stress of his mother. I mean, the the odd thing was that they made it clear that he was never really connected to his dad. Like he never yeah. saw it. Like his dad, he said his dad skipped out, you know, early on in his life. So the fact that it was affecting him that tremendously, I was I was kind of not confused, but wondering about that. Yeah, I think he was just using it more of an excuse. Yeah, and that that's be, what I was wondering. Like, is, is he just using this as an excuse to, you know, just go a, off the wall and... Yeah, essentially just be like an entitled prick. Yeah. But then it does shift a little bit, you know, and then, you know, he starts, he starts, you know, showing a little more focus towards his mother because he's doing a shit job of taking care of his mother. Like, it, <laughs> every scene starts with him not being there to help his mother which is what he's supposed to be doing it's just it's just one scene after that over and over again and then finally you start to see you know this change in him he starts to mature a little bit and then i thought the ending was quite fantastic in the way that it kind of leaves it completely up in the air as you know is this maturity gonna continue to grow and develop or is he just going straight back to the way he acted in the beginning yeah, yeah. You don't know if the the self destructive behavior is gonna end or if it's because it kind of what. And the way that they end it is, Josh Mon kind of puts it because he, he he kind of hints towards both outcomes. You know, he kind of hints at both paths. Yeah, like when he says he needs to leave. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, you know, right off the bat, he's like, "I don't have any money. Can I have money?" Yeah. It's just like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, dude!" 
Yeah, I don't know, but I think it's easy to... It's interesting, though, because the movie starts... We never know what his base-level personality is. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the movie starts with the funeral, or the, 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 the shiva. So, he's already in mourning when the movie starts. So, we never really get an idea of his true personality. Because pretty much the whole time, he's just fucked up. He's just drinking, and he's not just not in his right mind pretty much the whole movie. Yeah. So, we never really get to see, like, his base level. It's just an onslaught. And, and, you know, I try to, I think it's, I don't know if it's easy to empathize with him, but I found myself empathizing with him throughout the movie where I was just thinking about, you know, how I would react to the same situation. And it's like, I was thinking to myself, I I can't say that I wouldn't do things differently. (laughs) You know, like I would just, I would probably, I probably would be hitting the bottle a lot. Would you be? If I could, if I could, but. At this point in my life, if I drink, like, two beers, I get a migraine, so I physically can't. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I doubt that I would uh, just head down to Mexico, either. Yeah. That, that probably wouldn't appeal to me. I'd, I may pick a different location, but... Would you, like, yell out to girls just having conversations no, and call no. them cunts and then fight people for no fucking reason whatsoever? No, no, I can't see myself doing that. <laughs> So I think that kind of hints at some of his his base, you know, behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. think you just, like, completely changed. Maybe you do. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe he did. But there there has to be, you know, some of him in that, for sure. Like you said, he was kind of a dick. I mean, he's... he's I, 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 don't think, I don't think we're supposed to be like, oh, this is just a great guy. <laughs> you know? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> At least I hope not. But at the same time, yes, he's a dick, but you can see the goodness in him. And I and I, I think that that's one really important thing about this movie is that if he was like a complete deplorable asshole the, the entire time, it would be difficult to even watch the movie because you wouldn't feel any kind of connection to him whatsoever. Like you wouldn't feel for him, even though he was going through this horrible well, yeah, yeah. situation, You, it'd be difficult for you to care. Because he's just such a, a fuckhead. But he, there are times in the movie where he does show genuine like caring for others. And uh, I think that that's, that goes a long way in a story like this. It definitely helps, yeah. The, um, but in the, like, essentially like what you said at the beginning here, I think what really makes this movie is the performances. Out of, the, out of everything that's going on. Yeah, the performance is really what what gets it between Christopher Abbott's performance and Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, she yeah she was she was excellent in it as well. I mean, she just especially the scene where she's he he can't find her and she's yeah. out and she's confused and you know it's really affecting her mind. Like that that whole sequence was uh, really really powerful and yeah, and then uh, then difficult. a little bit. A little bit later on from that, when he uh, when he has to take her to the bathroom, yeah, and that entire scene that happens there, that's real, yeah. and that's kind of where it won me. That's yeah. where it, like fully won me over. Yeah, yep, for sure. It's uh, it's a it's a tough movie. It's a, it's definitely uh, definitely a tough movie. And I think you in know, a good way. In a yeah, good way. yeah, yeah, definitely. It is it is pretty rough to sit through. And you just kind of hope that, like, oh, I hope I don't ever have to go through that. I know, right? Oh, God. 
please. And, and, and it's funny that there, there was one very deliberate scene when he goes out to the kitchen and he, and there was that magnet on the fridge for hospice. And you could just see him like thinking, you know, should I just call this number and, you know, wash my hands of this whole thing and just let them take care of it. And he decides not to. And I think that that's another thing that, that goes, goes, uh, very positively at, at his, uh, character. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Cause he starts, like I said, he starts to make those changes and you see him coming around and being much more mature, showing more focus and driving, helping his mother. Instead of being the complete fuckhead, like you said in the yeah. beginning, I thought uh, Kid Cudi did a pretty good job in this too. I he, I think that he's starting to really um, come into his own as an actor. Uh, when I when I yeah, I mean when I when I watched him on How to Make It in America, I, I liked his character in that show, but I would never say that he was a particularly good actor. Like in that show, it seemed like he he he's seemed like a rapper turned actor you know what i mean like when like when ll cool j first started acting and stuff where they're kind of a little rough around the edges like they're passable but you could still you still know yeah but i think in this he really i I think this was probably his best performance to date gotcha yeah i've never i don't really know much about kick cutting i know the name but i don't know if i've ever even heard you haven't heard his music. I don't know I, if I have. I guarantee you, you've heard a few of his oh, songs, and probably you would know him if you heard him. Quite likely. I like his music. I mean, I think he's. I thought what he also does the the music for this film, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I, I like the I like the music in this movie. It was so, good. Yeah, really caught the uh, really added to a couple of scenes, especially thought, towards the end there. Yeah, I thought the uh, the opening scene was interesting when he was at the bar or the club. And the, he had but, earbuds in, and he was listening to his own music in the cause, club. Because it's so selfish. That's how selfish he is. And then... Because and was, was the club playing black and brown, or was he listening to black and brown? The black milk, he, Danny Brown? I think he was listening to it. No, no. Actually, I don't know. Can't remember. I think he was listening to it, but... Yeah, I liked how they did that, where they, they kind of... They played both songs on top of each other, and I liked that, but... What did you What did you think vis, visuals, cinematography wise? It's all right. Yeah, nothing I really. Think, stood, I didn't think nothing, it was anything special. Yeah, nothing really stood out to me, but it was it was fine. It wasn't like I had any issues with it. Yeah, it felt it. It just it looked like an indie movie. Like mm-hmm. when I th- when I think of your typical indie movie, as far as framing and you know the handheld work and stuff like that, it just it felt like an indie movie. Get that shit handheld. Mm-hmm. Gotta get that intimacy. A lot of like drab colors, you know. Yeah, it's pretty. It's like it's almost grayscale. Yeah, <laughs> just various shades of gray. Yeah, which in this case it it fits. You know, yeah, it fits it with sense. the tone of the movie. Because everything's gray. It's just terribleness everywhere. Yeah. Any final thoughts on James White? Mm. No, I think I think we covered all of it. Yeah. Got it. I would say when this does hit VOD, it is it is definitely worth a look. Uh, probably won't hit my top ten or anything like that, but let's uh, let's give this some scores. I will give I'll give James White a seven and a half out of ten. Oh shit, that's what I'm giving it. Yeah, solid movie. Uh, also, I liked Ron Livingston's character. He was only in it for maybe what two scenes, but I like I liked his character in it as well. Yeah, the 
the interview or whatever the hell that was supposed to be. It was supposed, yeah, it was supposed to be an interview. <laughs> he just kind of gives it to him straight. Just kind of sad that he couldn't realize that himself. Yeah, he was he was kidding himself. I don't even think he was like completely with it. He he, he was probably still drunk when he went into that interview. More than likely. Yeah. All right. That's James White. That's playing in Select Cities right now. Let's talk about Mediterranea. Now, this is another pretty heavy movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as heavy as I expected it to be, and it, and it wasn't it wasn't at all what I thought it would be plot wise either. No, this was completely different than what I was expecting. Like, I have I want to talk about the the director and the synopsis and all that, but I'll first say that. Let me read the the synopsis here. Two men make the dangerous journey from Africa to Italy for a better life, but then face hostility and violence in this shocking look at the life and death struggle of refugees. This is uh, written and directed by Jonas Carpignano. Yeah, that's that's not pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Uh, So, again, this is in limited release and on VOD right now. I thought that the whole movie was going to be the journey. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and, uh, spoiler, they get to Italy within, like, the first ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. I know that this is a two-hour movie, so, or, or nearly two hours, like an hour and 50 minutes. So, what's what's going to happen here? So, uh, yeah, it definitely exactly, wasn't what exactly I thought. What, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought it was going to be about the whole, the entire journey itself. And, yeah. You know, difficult and arduous the journey was. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, you're going through it, like, because I think it's, if it is something like the first, they get there in like 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah. You kind of, I was just kind of sitting there watching, like, these guys are making really great time. Like, <laughs> what is this movie about? Yeah. Like, when it, when it flashes the, the different, uh, countries that they enter on the screen. What I actually did was I went to Google Maps and charted you're, out. You're tracking them. Yeah, I charted out their route just to see how long it would take. And I was like, man, they they're like really flying through this here. Yeah, they're they're just getting through it. But when you when you chart it out, it would take if they drove, and obviously you have to take a boat for part of it. It would take uh, about a day. To get there, It'd be about twenty four hours really? to get there. Yeah, so it wasn't even that far of a journey to begin with. Wow, it just seems like a. I know it. See, it seems because because then like the first one of the first scenes, well, probably like the second scene, they're in the desert, and then like the next second they're in the Mediterranean Sea. But anyway, Kevin, we'll start with you. What'd you think of Mediterranean? Well, number one, I was surprised. <laughs> for the aforementioned reasons. Yeah. Uh, it turned out to be something completely different than what I was expecting. And um, in all honesty, I got to say that it was it was okay overall. I mean, I just, I don't know. To me, it just didn't really feel like there was that much to this. I didn't feel like an urgency or an immediacy to the, to the film's message. Except for like the little bit at the end that they get into the the protesting. Yeah, it just felt like an extremely long build up to that, but it yeah, didn't there, really feel like they were building towards it. Right. Yeah, there wasn't much of a, a crescendo moment in this. Like it just kind of it it was what it was. I I thought that the whole journey aspect of it was the best part for me. 
uh, especially that the the scene when they're in the in the sea and during the the storm. I thought yeah. that that was like one of the best scenes in the movie because it was just it looked awesome how they did it because this was probably a fairly low budget movie and for them to be able to they that that's probably why they shot it that way where it was pretty much black and it only lit up when the lightning hit but in real life that's what it would look like you know yeah. it would be complete darkness but uh I, I liked that scene a lot and it's interesting um the movie started to lose me probably maybe 20 minutes after they got to Italy cuz I, I I don't know I just it wasn't really grabbing me but then as we spent more time with uh with the characters specifically what's his name Aiva Aiva yeah the main guy yeah 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 uh I started to grow more attached to him and I wanted him to succeed because for some reason at least to me he was just kind of this inherently likable character he was yeah his character really does help help uh keep you keep your attention and because you're right he is he's just he just seems inherently likable and because he's i didn't like i hadn't i had no idea where this was going to go like i didn't read up on this movie other than the synopsis so i had no idea where it was going to go and f- there were a few scenes where i was like oh god it's gonna because especially when he kind of forms a friendship with his boss's daughter like his, the young daughter i was like oh god there's this is going to be like a uh was that movie with um Mads Mikkelsen, The Hunt. Oh. I was like, oh god, this is gonna be like a hunt situation here. And, and like, I knew, I just knew that something terrible was gonna happen. But maybe this is a spoiler. But nothing really, nothing really does. I mean, like, there's some conflict that occurs, but nothing as big as I, I expected. Yeah, I mean, it does get terrible towards the end, and some things, you know, kind of transpire. But I. It, I don't know. It just it feels like it's building up towards that, like throughout the movie, and it's really taking its time to get to that to that end point. Yeah, but it doesn't really feel like any of it is actually building towards that particular ending. No, I feel like I feel like the message behind it is somewhat muddled because I feel like that they didn't get into it enough. Like I I wanted to see more exploration of you know, the, the, the prejudice that they were, you know, get uh, up against and them being kicked out of their home and all of this stuff. Like I wanted a, a deeper exploration of that because I feel like, you know, that's kind of the crux of the movie. That's, that's what it's all leading up to. But they, I feel like they just don't go far no, they just, down they just, that road. Yeah. They just kind of throw it out there at the last minute, just kind of gloss over it just as, essentially to get you to that point of where everything culminates. And then even then, that feels like it's just kind of thrown out there and glossed over, and then we're back to we're back to something else entirely. Yeah, but I did think that there were a number of very poignant moments in the movie, especially at the end when he's you know pouring pouring the champagne, and then he sees the dudes come up. Yeah, I found that to be kind of a, a poignant moment, and there there were several others as well. The the Skype scene, I liked uh, the, the yeah. Skype scene. I thought that the Skype scene was the most. Uh, at least for me, that was like the most emotional scene of the whole movie. Yeah, that one. That's where it finally comes together and actually hits you. Yeah. Hits you with that gut punch. It does. It it absolutely does. Again, another uh use of Rihanna. Yeah. That, that was that was done in a very, very uh successful way. Films using Rihanna. Yeah, in, in ways that you don't expect. Yeah. And they and they work. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and for whatever reason, I love him. <laughs> see, even though yeah. I can't stand Rihanna. I don't yeah. know if, and I don't even like that song. Yeah, same here. It just the way that it was presented, I thought it was, you know, a lot of it was his his emotional reaction to the whole thing. Yeah, I thought the performances were pretty good. Cinematography for me wasn't, you know, it's a lot like James White in the way that it, you know, it's not bad, it's not great. It's just it's serviceable. Yeah, I thought it was serviceable. There were a couple shaky cam scenes that I thought was were a little bit too too intense with their shakiness. Gotcha. Uh, there was a scene where they were like running and it was like, holy shit, this is... Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and there were a couple other scenes too where the camera deliberately panned to something and I couldn't tell what it was. <laughs> there were like two two or three instances where that happened where I was like, "What? what wait, what was that? <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I thought it, visually it was, it was fine. It was good. I liked the... The music again in this one I liked. I don't know. It just it feels like for for a movie that's an hour and fifteen minutes, give or take, that there just wasn't a whole lot of development here. Like I just don't feel like I got, you know, I don't feel like a, it's the whole story. First of all, yeah, I, I don't I feel, feel like, like I really got to, like a, a full story, like a full grasp of what the message was and what they were essentially what they were trying to say. Yeah, I feel like they were just dipping their toes in the water there at the end, but then it just ends. And I will say that I liked how it ended. I liked where they chose to end the movie, but I also believe, like, we could have used more. I mean, this is this is a big story, you know? This is like a giant story about, you know, someone emigrating from, what was he, Burkina Faso? Yeah. And, you know, it, it is kind of an epic story in a way showing his life and his journey and all of this stuff and i don't know this is one of these scenarios where i feel like they either could have maybe reworked the the script a little bit to to add more towards the end and develop that where it goes a little bit more and maybe cut out some of the the stuff in the middle but I, but at the same time i also get that it's all build up like i get that you know like the those uh kind of yeah, and then the bully guys are are showing up here and there, and it's it's gradually escalating. And yeah, you know, I, I totally get that, but it is difficult because it is. I mean, it's a big story to tell. Yeah, I don't need. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a part of me too that's got to understand that I can't really hold it against him that he wasn't able <laughs> to you know to capture the complexity and the scope. <laughs> in an hour and 50 minutes you, you know I, I mean he probably did like a hundred times better job than I would have been able to do yeah because <laughs> because he does touch on pretty much all of the aspects of someone fleeing from their their home country and seeking refugee status in another country like they deal with you know becoming legal and getting the papers and finding work and the 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 difficult work that they will inevitably find and being away from your family and dealing with prejudice. Like they, they cover all of that stuff yeah. in this movie. So it is a, a very large scale movie in a lot of ways. But like you said, I, I feel like we could have used a little bit more of the, the stuff at the end, especially because it feels so relevant, you know, well, yeah, to, definitely. in a lot of ways it feels really relevant to what's happening here right now well yeah 
on plus everything that's happening in Burkina Faso within like what like the last year or so. Oh yeah. yeah. One thing I thought was crazy is how many languages that dude speaks. Like cuz I was trying to figure it out the whole time cuz he he seems to know Italian and he speaks French, but he also knows English. And I well, looked up well, I looked the, up That's the other thing that always I never I mean trying not to go too deep political here, but you know when people make comments about refugees and immigrants and stuff and they you know they always try and showcase them as good for nothings that are just coming yeah, over criminals basically yeah. and it's like they're so intelligent <laughs> they know so yeah. many damn languages yeah and they're able to get here they're able to finagle and you know to go through all of that to get here it's just it's incredible i don't know how they do it i just don't i don't know how yeah, and it really puts things into perspective, too, you know, because a lot of days you wake up and you're on your way to work and you're just like, fuck, I have to do this like four more times after today. Yeah, I mean, I, like... <laughs> I, I, like, I freak out if I had to drive in Washington, D.C. <laughs> like, that's a huge thing for me where it's like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can navigate Washington, D.C. streets. But they're just like, okay, Burkina Faso to Italy. Here we go. And they yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it's like through the desert, too. Walking through yeah. presumably miles of desert. And just, you know, running into terrorists or rebel yeah. fighters or whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's crazy. It really does put things into perspective and makes you kind of feel lucky for, for what you have. Oh, my God, yes. Because, it, and especially... Because after he gets that job, to him, that's a, that's a hell of a job, you know? They feed him, they're they're nice to him. But he it looks as though he works from dawn to dusk. I mean, he it looks like he just works all day and all night. Mm -hmm. Because when they start in the morning, they're out in the fields picking oranges, and then at night, they're, like, processing them. And then he, like, you know, he ends up eating there, and then yeah. he, does, he does jobs... Essentially, yeah. after hours, after they're done with the regular work. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And he's probably not making... He's probably I, sending all of that money home. Mm -hmm. And he's probably not even making anything close to, you know, what we make here in the States. Oh, working yeah. no office way. jobs or whatever. No way. So, yeah, it does put a lot of things into perspective. And I think it's, I think it's important to visit movies like this every now and then just to just to keep yourself in check, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and understand uh, how these things, how life is for some yeah. of these people. Yeah, it is good. It is a good reminder that, <clears throat> you know, for people like us to check your privilege. But also, it's also somewhat, somewhat heartening to know that in the movie, he still has fun. Like, he's still happy, well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's still able to, to drink and hang out with his friends and dance and, like, have a good time for the most part, too. So Yeah, so yeah it's not all wallowing in despair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this movie, as, as uh, heavy as this movie is, I thought it was going to be far heavier. Yeah. Like, as far as the, the, the journey that they go on and stuff, there's obviously some very bad things that happen. But I thought it was going to be much worse. Yeah, and so. I think it's, it's again with how we were kind of talking about the the main character and him just being likable. I think it's a a testament to his character that everything that's happening in this movie and there's so much going on that yeah. I mean 
I would say about 95% of the time in this movie, he's just he, like, he's in a good mood and he has a smile on his face. Yeah. He's, he's a, uh, I think that he's just an optimistic guy. And that, that really goes a long way, especially when you look at his friend that does the trip with him and he, he cracks like he, after they get to Italy and start their new job, he's just, yeah, he's, he, not, he's, he's bit, lost. He's a bit pessimistic. Yeah. He's, de- he's depressed. He's not happy. He hates his job. He hates the, the people that he's working for. And then he starts, you know, raging against the, the, the government and all of this stuff and, and the people in the town that are trying to kick him out, which I, I, I was really confused about how that was even possible. How they could just kick him out of their homes like that. Cause the neighborhood wanted him out. It's easy. They don't have any papers, but I thought just that they, but I thought that they had the, I thought that they had the, uh, I guess they had him for three months, right? Yeah, they were tra- they were trying to get those. What was it? They they had to get work contracts. Yeah, and then to parlay that into like a a residency permit. Yeah, and that too to be to go through all that stuff to understand how you know how to navigate all of that all mm-hmm. the bureaucracy of getting paperwork is ridiculous. Yep, it's it's crazy, but overall, I I think that it is. This movie is definitely worth a watch for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and give this one a score. Kevin, what do you give Mediterranea? I give it a seven. I'm also going to go with a seven on this one. It's, it sounds like we're. Oh, man. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of boring when we all give the same scores. It's just, just. It is what it is. It's just. It's really interesting for both of these movies. Number one, James White reminded me a lot of Brian. Or, yeah, Brian. Jesus, Brandon Colvin's sabbatical, mm-hmm. kind of dealing with the same thing, and then Mediterranean reminded me of uh, Christopher Bell's um, "The Winds That Scatter," was mm-hmm. kind of dealing with the same thing. Interesting, interesting. So it's like those are double billing, billing ideas. Do that. Yeah. Well, double bill. If you can. Double double bill, but just just be prepared. Watch something fun afterwards. You need a palate cleanser, I think. Yeah. Probably. I think that's where Zoolander two comes in. <laughs> yeah, just just watch Zoolander. Just watch the gas fight. On the the, first the gas station fight. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start it with you this week. It started with me. Okay, I watched a Miklos Jankos film from 1965. This is one of his earlier ones, and uh, it was quite interesting in the sense that uh, now I'm a huge, huge. Uh, fan. I think he's one of the greatest directors ever. And uh, With this being one of his earlier films, I think it's like his fourth or fifth feature length. And, and you see like the the beginning stages of his signature style, which is, you know, long takes and he has this like wandering focus where his films really don't have like a central character. It just kind of, the camera just passes, just you know, like it'll follow one person and then another person will pop into the frame and it'll kind of go off and follow them for a little bit and just kind of jumps around. And uh, with this, you, you see, you see like the development stages of it. It's not like completely refined to the point of, you know, it's the signature style, but it's interesting to see it in that aspect. And uh, <clears throat> it's a pretty simple story where it's just a young Hungarian man who's on his way home, gets captured. This is in like the di- the dying days of world war two. He gets captured he gets released and then he's, you know, 
traversing a little bit more, and he gets captured again. And this time he ends up being left at this, like, this little post for this young Russian officer that's, I guess, in charge of milking cows and providing milk to all the other Russian soldiers. So in this remote outpost, he just, he has to stay there. And then these two, because they're kind of the same age, they're around 17, 18, 19 years old, and they kind of develop a friendship, even though they don't speak the, the you know, the same language, and they kind of look out for each other. And it mostly boils down to is he can run away and easily get away, but the thing that keeps him there is because the, the young Russian soldier will get in trouble if he loses his charge, essentially. Mm. So he does it for him so he doesn't get in trouble. So he decides to be a prisoner of war, essentially. It's not his best film. I will say that. It's not his best. He's he's had much better. But it's still, it's like a light recommend for me. Okay. I haven't seen anything from him. So maybe you could recommend one and I'll dive in. Oh, I'll, I'll recommend. You didn't assign me any of these for the 2015 list, did you? Oh, I don't know. Maybe check it and maybe watch something I, besides I'm gonna, one. I'm going to re-sign up for Hulu today because i got rid of because i got rid of my hulu plus account because i was never using it but i just got the new apple tv yesterday and so i'm gonna re-sign up because i'm loving the new apple tv oh boy loving it uh yeah one of the best things about the new apple tv is the fact that it has like a universal search so you can say like uh find the movie spotlight and it'll show you all of the services that have it so if it's on Netflix, it'll show that. If it's on, you know, iTunes, it'll have that or Hulu or any of those. Yeah. So you can pick, you know, which one you want to view. Mm-hmm. You can, if it's like a, a VOD rental, you can pick the cheapest one or whichever service you prefer. I like that a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Or if there's like a movie you're looking for, you're not sure if it's on one of them or not. It's just, it's great so far. But anyway, I saw the movie Spotlight. Oh, okay. That's right. I forgot you were going to see this. Yeah. Directed by Thomas McCarthy of uh, the Cobbler fame. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'll just uh, throw this out there. Way better than the Cobbler. Are you sure? Way, way better than the Cobbler. Uh, I like this a lot. I like movies uh, like this that, that revolve around uh, like journalism, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uncovering secrets and things like that. It reminded me a lot of um, All the King's Men, so- something similar to that. Uh, I enjoyed this movie tremendously. I thought it was uh, fascinating. It's If you're not familiar, it's about uh, the Boston Globe and how they uncovered the, uh, the massive uh, scandal, the, the massive cover-up of child abuse in the Catholic Church. And it's just, it's crazy. It's just a crazy story. It's hard to believe that this is real, and it's also hard to believe that the Catholic Church came out completely unscathed in all of this Mm -hmm. because there were like literally thousands of cases Mm -hmm. of of uh, sexual abuse from priests and they just it it all even though this was all uncovered it still got all got swept under the rug yeah well you just you gotta get you left that new pope that he just seems like a down-to-earth guy and then everyone's just like this fucking pope is awesome catholic church is back it's back baby oh it's so sad yeah well so sad. it is it is it is very sad actually but great cast in this you have mark ruffalo rachel mcadams michael keaton stanley tucci Liv schreiber 
Billy Crudup's in there too, John Slattery. Yeah, I want to see this because uh, it, you're right. I for whatever reason, movies about like journalism, like investigative journalism. I yeah. don't know why. I just I get I get hooked. Yeah, it's just it's an intriguing. It's just intriguing. It's it's uh it also sort of it was sort of like uh, Zodiac too. I would I would compare it a little bit to Zodiac. It's certainly not as visually um daring as something like Zodiac. As far as like cinematography goes, it's pretty typical like nothing yeah. nothing great here. Yeah. That's really right. really you watch this type of movie for this for the story and for the the acting. Uh Mark Ruffalo does a fantastic job. Uh Keaton as always does a great job. Everybody does a great job actually. Um so yeah, I would it, this is playing right now in theaters, so I I would check it out. I mean Again, this probably isn't going to go on my top ten or anything like that, but it was a, a really enjoyable story and, and very intriguing. So that's Spotlight. Spotlight. <clears throat> uh, I'm doing some catching up here on the, on the 2015 films, and I watched Kamiko the Treasure Hunter. Yeah, I have finally, yet to see this. So. Finally got around to seeing this one. And um, this is just odd. It's an odd movie. Yeah. I don't, I'm not 100% sure how I, f- I feel about this, considering that this is... they. So the Zellner Brothers, they're not number, number one. I'll say that it's better than the last film that I saw by the Zellner Brothers. Much, much better. Fast thing? Yeah, fast improvement. <laughs> I know you really hated that one. I, I was, And that's where I was worried going into this one, because I was like, wow, I really, really hated Kid Thing. And people, it, you know, that was kind of well-received. So I was a little worried. I liked it. A little trepidatious going into Kamiko here. And um, so they kind of go the same route as the Coen brothers, right? Where they do Fargo and it's based on a true story, but it's not based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's inspired by a true story, kind of, where there's this real life woman from Japan that went and committed suicide in this location and what happened is out of that people just made up this story that she was there trying to find the cash from Fargo and they essentially were just making fun of her and it was awful because a woman actually committed suicide because she was desperate and lonely Jeez. and just so and then they kind of take this idea and they're like okay yeah let's make it about how this Japanese woman goes looking for the cash that was buried in Fargo and will make it kind of funny. Like they try and capture the Coen brothers comedy and they don't do a good job of it. Um, and uh, it's just, it, it left me with an uneasy feeling. I just don't know about this. I mean, there's some good cinematography here and there. There's some, some good imagery, but just the way that her character is, it's kind of presented and painted. It's just, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. I just, I don't know. I said, to me, it's like a, eh. I just wasn't, I wasn't as struck with it as everyone else seems to be. Because hmm. there's really nothing to it. And you're taking a real life story of someone that was they damaged died. in a dark place and committed suicide. And then you turn it into something like this. Essentially being like, yeah, there's people that made up that story about her. They had a good idea. Let's make a movie. Yeah, it does seem kind of disrespectful. It's a bit. It's a bit disrespectful. Hmm. That's uh, Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. I saw uh, Ted 2. 
Okay. I'm not really going to talk about this. It was not good. It just, for some reason, I, I like the first Ted quite a bit, but they just didn't. They tried to do the same thing with Ted 2, and it just, the jokes didn't land for me. It just, I don't know. I laughed maybe two or three times, and then maybe a couple chortles here and there. Ooh, okay. But it just, yeah. Nothing to say about this one. It was just, it was nothing. It was a nothing of a movie, and it was really disappointing because I, I did like the first one. A lot of the jokes were rehashed in this one, like the whole Flash Gordon thing. Oh, Jesus. And it just, eh, it was just, uh, it was pretty ridiculous, and I just didn't find it funny. I just did not like Ted 2, so I'd say don't bother with that one, unfortunately. Mm. I don't know if maybe Seth, maybe Seth MacFarlane is just... I'm just done with him. I am. I know that much. I've tried to like occasionally watch Family Guy. I just can't do it. Yeah, I still I watch Family Guy. I still watch Family Guy every week, and it's still it's fine, but it just doesn't. It's just not the same. I don't know. Maybe they're running out of ideas or something. But yeah, it, it feels like he's phoning it in. Yeah, it's just it just all feels like it's getting a little bit stale. Definitely. So. Yeah, Ted 2, not not really worth a look. Ted 2. Uh, I watched uh, a potential for Unsung Indies. And I got to say, when I started this, I was worried about this moment, you know, where you would go into an indie and it just, it wouldn't quite make the mark, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an Unsung Indie. And that's what, that's what happened here. This movie's called Dipso by uh, Theodore Kolotos. And it's it's about a guy that is recently released from prison. So he's trying to stay on the up and up. He's trying to go clean, trying to stay clean. And he decides, he realizes when he was in prison that he wanted to give it a shot as a stand-up comedian. So what happens is a large portion of this is just him, you know, kind of hanging out with his family. And his family is, it's kind of split where... There's certain people in his family that, you know, were into some shady shit and they're not on the up and up. And then his other brother is a, who's actually a member of the army and he's getting deployed soon. So he's trying to help him out. He gets him a job and all this and that. And, you know, it's just him trying to stay on the right path. And it's kind of out of this kind of comes a, like a portrait of like small town America and this guy trying to make it. The thing that didn't really work too much for me was the the whole this stand up comedian aspect of it. Him trying to make it up, it, make it in stand up comedy, where it it's talked about, and you see a lot of him like working on jokes and trying to get better, but him actually trying to make a go of it is like two small scenes, mm. the entire movie. And it just feels like it wasn't really developed that much. It was just kind of tacked on at the end. I don't know. There was just it. It just lacks a little bit of focus, which I think would have helped it out greatly. Um, there is a there's a great deal of realism to the story that is a pro and a con at the same time, <laughs> because it's really unpolished, but yet at the same time it's genuine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it does kind of have the you know the the overall feel of like an amateur production so it's a bit uneven in that aspect as well so it's something that just missed the mark for me but i guess in a sense it's still still success in the in the fact that i'm looking forward to seeing more from him from this director 
Okay. And that's Dipso. Where did you see this one? I saw this on Fandor. Okay. It's on there you Fandor. Go. Fandor. Check it out. Get that Fandor. I saw Pound Sign Horror. Okay. <laughs> I'll have a review for this one. I'll have a review for this one up. I'm actually like halfway done. Are you going to like write out Pound Sign Horror? <laughs> no. No, I'm not. Uh, so basically this one is about a group of 12-year-old girls who get together for a sleepover and they are absolutely horrible, horrible people. They're horrible to each other. They're horrible to everyone around them. They're just these bratty, spoiled little rich girls. And as it turns out, someone is killing them. Someone starts killing them. Yeah. So the, the thing about the movie is that it's... It's it's written and directed by Tara Subkoff. She's a she's an actress. This is her first, um, this is her directorial debut, and I believe it's her writing debut too. The thing about this is it's uh, supposedly based on a true story. I, I I don't know, or it's inspired by actual events. I'm not sure the what the the actual events were that this is based on, but um, it's kind of a uh, it it looks at social media and how the youth of today is so obsessed with social media that it can prove to be kind of a a, a toxic thing where they lose grip on reality and they're they're so focused on getting likes and retweets and whatever that they they kind of uh become disconnected from the real people around them and their and their real relationships mm-hmm. But uh, you know we've seen this before. This is this is something we've uh, explored before. You can there's uh, there's a lot of movies that you can watch that go down this this same road, and it's tough because the the characters are so unlikable. And I don't mean just the the girls. I mean the adult characters too. Like Chloe Savini plays one of the kids' moms, and she's just absolutely horrible. And and Timothy Hutton plays one of the dads, and he's freaking ridiculous and over the top like half the movie he's just screaming and one of the worst things in this movie is throughout the entire movie just like randomly uh these like animations will come up on the screen that'll say like hashtag whatever and then like submit and it's just the the most horrible and it happens non-stop throughout the movie and it's just like submit 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 and it's like on the whole it's like a cutaway so it's like the whole screen and it's just absolutely awful. And they also have that thing that you hate, Kevin, where um they'll be text messaging or doing stuff on their phone and it'll appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. Little bubbles will appear on the screen. It's like fucking pop up video on the movie. Yeah. Uh, Which is but- unfortunate because that's gonna be something that's gonna be you would imagine it's gonna be you're gonna see more and more of in uh, well, films. But it just doesn't feel like anyone's really I think out the best way to do it yet. I think some some show TV shows and movies do it right. Uh, the the I think the first time I noticed it was on the show Sherlock, the BBC one with Benedict Cumberbatch, and the way that they do it actually works quite well because people text message a lot, <laughs> and how are you going to show that? You know, yeah. it's like you got to show it somehow, especially if it's pertinent to the plot. And they, they did it right. But in this movie, it's absolutely egregious and horrible. Like, not only do they show their text messaging, but they show, like, when they pick apples in Farmville or whatever, and it'll say, like, four apples picked. 
And it's just it's just to, you know, further show that they're they're so disconnected from the real world that they're like having these conversations with their friends, but they're not even paying attention. They're just like picking apples and shit. Yeah. But it uh it just doesn't it it does not work. And I I really had a, a terrible, terrible time with this movie. Mm. So I will uh I will have my I will say the one good thing is the location where they shot this. It was in this gorgeous house in Connecticut. I mean this I don't know, I tried to research who designed the house that like the architect that designed this house and I couldn't find it, but holy crap, what an amazing property this is shot on. <laughs> it's weird. It's a really weird movie. Not at all like what I expected. Like the like she tries to be artistic with it. Like a lot of the shots uh, are an attempt to look artistic, but just uh, it doesn't quite doesn't quite work all the way. <laughs> so yeah, this pound sign horror did not work for me. But this is on VOD if you're interested. All right, all right. Uh, I had something that didn't work for me, and that was what's the title of this sucker again? The Young and Prodigious T. S. Spivet. Oh, this is uh. So this is the Jean-Pierre Jeannot. The, the, yeah, the Jeannot. The, his uh, his foray into, into English-speaking filmmaking. And uh, it didn't go well. <laughs> I don't... Like, it, you can tell it's a Jeannot film, but at the same time, it, it feels like a watered-down version of what his films are. Um, Movie, right? Hmm. <laughs> It's a kids movie, right? Yeah. So I guess I don't, I don't know much about the book that it's based off of. Um, but the main character of the story is a 10 year old who's super smart. Precocious is all out. Just he invents a, a machine that wins him an award and he has to get to Washington DC to get his award from the Smithsonian. And it's, it's, it's okay. But the thing that really destroys it is the kid played by Kyle Catlett, who plays the main character. Um, so much of it is through voiceover narration delivered by him, you know, talking about where he comes from. And of course he lives in Montana and his family's super quirky. And, of course. Uh, and unfortunately this kid's narration is awful. Now I already hate voiceover narration. I can't stand it. Number two, it's even worse when it's done poorly. Number two, when it's done poorly by a small kid, makes it even worse. And then the fact that almost the the first, it feels like the first half hour of this film, it's just nonstop narration from him, just telling you about his life and living in Montana and his quirky family. And it's just, it's too much to take. I just, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I I deliberately skipped this one because I, I, I am a fan of of uh, Juno's films for the most part, but this one just I saw the trailer and I was just like, nah. See, I nope. never saw the trailer for it. I mean, it didn't sound that great, but it felt like a good pick for like a you know just like a turn light your brain a- yeah, yeah just like a light afternoon turn. watch. Yeah, mm, didn't work. Did not work. Yeah, that's the young and prodigious T.S. Spivet. Uh-uh. The only other one that uh, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about, just mainly because uh, you you texted me yesterday and said that you've been watching it too. That's Jessica Jones on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. How yeah. how far are you into this? 
on the third episode. Third episode, okay. I, I love this. This is good stuff. I am I think I think I'm four episodes in. So we we both have a little ways to go, but what are your what are your initial thoughts on this one? I just I love the overall feel of it. It has such a noir vibe to it. I mean yeah. clearly and, it was very purposefully a noir, especially with like the music and stuff, but Yeah. And I just love the fact that <clears throat> I keep forgetting that this is taking place in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And I keep forgetting that they're superheroes and the way that they're handling that is fantastic because they're barely speaking about it. You know, they'll they'll hint at it here and there. Like when, you know, they'll just throw out like, Oh, the green guy and his gang. And that time that, you know, they just like, they talk about aliens attacking the city. Like it was nothing. Like it just pops up like a little bit in the conversation and then they don't really talk about it anymore. And I'm just thinking in my head, you know, because I kind of forget that that's, that that's what universe that we're in. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, yeah, that's right. And then at the same time, I started thinking, like, how is that not, like, the only thing you guys talk about 24-7? Like, well, how did that people, die I mean, in a conversation? People move on. At this point, it's, when did the first Avengers come out? Three years ago? So, yeah, I mean, it's it, they're three years removed from it. So, it... It's uh, people are moving on with their lives, man. Yes, I guess so. And I just, I, I, I think they just set it up so well that I, there's so much of it I want to know. Yeah, I, I think that what they're doing with the Marvel Netflix shows, um, and granted, they've only come out with Daredevil in, in addition to this one, but Daredevil was very similar. It was dark. It was gritty. It was, it was very much. It felt like a real world world setting. It didn't feel like. You know, it was in the Marvel Universe, sure, but it still had kind of a more contained uh, vibe to it. And they did the same thing in Daredevil, where they would just mention these things in passing, or you would see, like, you know, a newspaper headline or something, And it, but that's that would be it. And it, ne- it never feels heavy-handed with, with the, the references and stuff. And uh, I thought that, like, with Jessica Jones, it's structured a lot like daredevil in that there's this through line but then there's also the fact that she's a detective so she's getting cases you know people are coming up and trying to hire her for different cases and this <laughs> it was the same thing in daredevil where he's he's a lawyer so he's getting people coming into his office and trying to hire him as a lawyer so the vibe is very similar and the the locations are the same they both take place in hell's kitchen and uh yeah, I'm just I'm loving what they're doing on Netflix. It's so much better than that horrible Agents of Shield show on ABC. Yeah, and and uh, one thing that really uh, like Daredevil was very dark and violent, uh, but Jessica Jones looks like it's taking it to a whole whole new level, especially with the the amount of sex in the in that show. Like I was really surprised. Yeah, that was just <laughs> a bit odd. I wasn't expecting that. Definitely wasn't expecting that. If I remember correctly, they moved Jessica Jones in the comic books to the um, the Marvel Max uh, line where it was like the adult Marvel stories. Like they moved Punisher over there and maybe even there was a Daredevil series that was in the Max line, which was basically like the R-rated yeah. version where they were allowed to say things like fuck and show some nudity and have more violence. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the series so far i like it a lot i like i like Kristen ritter as jessica jones um and i think that it's uh it's another winner 
I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Iron Fist. That's like the big mystery right now, especially because Luke Cage is the other one. And he's, I was surprised to see him in Jessica Jones as much as he is. Yeah. And um, Iron Fist is the big question mark right now. And I'll, I'll be really excited to see what they do with Iron Fist. Because I think, I think I they're think, doing some really cool stuff. And I think for me, the, the great thing is... And this is just for me. This is what makes it all so wonderful. Is I have no idea about any anything. Yeah, you know, because I don't. I don't yeah, I, it's, it's all new. So I, I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I have no idea who these characters are, what they do. I don't know anything about them. I don't know what their their special powers are, except for the little bit I've seen so far. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything. And that's kind of the other cool thing is they don't hold your hand. They they don't like go out and tell you like this is hellcat you know like this yeah. is see this i don't is, even know who, who this is i don't even know who hellcat is yeah well maybe so, you'll find out maybe you won't I'm, i don't know I'm, see i'm already getting excited i'm gonna find out who hellcat is i would suggest that you check out daredevil after jessica jones because i think you will like daredevil too it's a, it's very much this the same look the same vibe yeah it's not comic booky Really, it it feels much more grounded. So, yeah, definitely check out Jessica Jones on uh, Netflix. I mean, it it could still, you know, might not stick the landing. I don't know, but I I'm pretty confident that it'll be uh, good for the rest of the series. And Kilgrave is a really diabolical villain, so it's pretty cool that they that he's the villain that she's going up against. Yeah, his his power is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's Very interesting too because in the uh, in the new the preacher series, that's what the main character Jesse Custer he has the same ability. Yeah, but instead of like calling it the power of suggestion or whatever, he he they call it the voice of God because he literally has like a God inside of him. Yeah, but it's basically the same thing. So, really cool, really cool stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Talk about some predictions. Last week, the night before, you said 76, I said 68, actual 64. We have a review for that up on the site. Blake reviewed that for us, and he he really liked it. He gave it an 8 out of 10, so... Oh, boy. I was gonna... I might see that this afternoon. I haven't decided yet. Legend, you said 54, I said 48, actual 60. So that one turned out to be better than I expected. Secret in their eyes. You said 61, I said 46, actual 42. Yeah, so that one didn't do so so hot. Mm-mm. And finally, The Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part 2. You said 70, I said 67, actual 70. Nailed it. Right on the money there. We have a review for that up on the site as well. I'm an expert when it comes to Hunger Games and Mocking Jays. Mocking Jays. All right, next week we have The Good Dinosaur. It's mm-hmm. the old Pixar, Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to kill it. I'll say 84 on this one. I'm going to say 82. All right. What do, you, then, what do you actually think of that? What do you think? I don't know. I, it like, looks it doesn't, terrible to me. It doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, for, for some reason, I don't like the fact that the dinosaurs talk. Because it's kind of like a switch where the kid, the humans don't talk and the dinosaurs do. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, the animation doesn't really do it for me. But it, I, that thing's probably going to make a killing. Oh, kids yeah. Fucking love oh dinosaurs. God. Kids love dinosaurs. I used to be obsessed with dinosaurs when I was... Who little. was? Almost every single kid. I know. It's, it's a weird... It's weird, isn't it? That Unless you're grown up in, like, a hyper-Christian family. 
<laughs> you are into dinosaurs. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is about that. I guess maybe because they're like real life monsters that it's I think the fact that they don't exist anymore may be alluring to kids. Yeah. And they're big. Oh, they're huge. And they're so weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get back into dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Hmm. I was thinking, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to like a museum today and see a dinosaur. <laughs> Rest of my day is booked with dinosaur research on the internet. <laughs> oh, we also have Victor Frankenstein. This is the one with uh, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, was it James McAvoy in that too? I think. Yeah. What do you think about this one? Mm. No, thank you. What uh, <laughs> it say? I'm going to say like a 70. I will say 68 on that one. I'm not interested in that either, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. For some reason, the Frankenstein stories never appealed to me. Never. I just never... Never been into it. No, I've never been into Frankenstein stuff. We also have Creed. Yeah. Not the band. God. Could you imagine if they came back? <laughs> Made a comeback? Creed, Creed's making a comeback. That'd be terrible. Uh, let's see. Creed. Um, the trailer makes it look good, so I will say 72 on Creed. I'm gonna say 78. I've been pretty much seeing nothing but good things. Are you interested in seeing Creed? No, I'm not. I'm pretty much done with boxing movies. Like, I just... Yeah. There's too many boxing movies. I'm sorry. There is, and and they're largely the same too. Yeah, exactly. There's not much that you can do with boxing movies, so let's 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 just take a break for a little bit. Like, a, let's take like a ten year break. I'll we'll probably still to. check it out. I'll probably still check it out though, because I, I actually liked Rocky Balboa, the last Rocky, and so I'll, I think I'll probably like this too. And uh, what's his name's directing it? Ryan Coogler. Yeah. See, that's like, the that's the main thing that's interesting to me. Yeah. Coogler directing and. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be uh, pretty good. So um, Next week in limited release, on the 27th, we have The Danish Girl. I actually don't have any interest in seeing this at all. No. Just, I don't know. Just It looks so... It, it looks like the definition of Oscar bait to me. Yeah, it is. Like, it, it just it looks sure like the is. most Oscar baity movie ever made. I know. And there's, uh, and again, it's just uh, come Oscar time. It's just going to be so much discussion about. Oh my God, Eddie Redmayne! But it's like you know, and, and oh movies. God, Eddie Redmayne! Oh, he's so unbelievable. And it's just I would, like, I would much rather see a movie like Fifty Two Tuesdays over this, where that movie felt real yeah, and it's genuine. Fake as shit, it's so fucking fake. And they're going to be like, oh, he's so amazing. Yeah, as far as Oscar predictions go, I think that him at least getting a nomination is an absolute 100% lock. Mm-hmm. Like, I c- cannot imagine a world where he would not get nominated for that. No, he totally will. No matter how, no matter how good or bad he is or whatever. And the worst part is the Oscars are going to be like patting themselves on the back. Like, oh man, we made, we're so progressive. We, we are so progressive. We made a really great choice. Bravo to everyone. <laughs> and they're going to be completely blindsided for whatever reason by the, the insane amount of backlash that is going to be hitting them full on in the face. Also, on the 27th is Janice Little Girl Blue. That's the uh, Janice Joplin documentary. Killing Them Safely, which is the um, 
documentary about non-lethal force used in uh, police. Uh, it's about tasers, really, and it, and it talks about how how tasers are actually a lot more deadly than people believe. I think it was I think I read in the synopsis or something, or maybe it was a PR email that said that it was like five thousand people are killed every year yeah. because of tasers or something. So it's a documentary exploring that. Um, that's uh, I think that's pretty much it next week. Not a, not a lot. Uh, you know, they, they had the big ones, but because it's a holiday weekend, it's not not a whole lot coming out. Yeah. On VOD next week we have. Killing Them Safely and Submerged. Submerged is a horror movie about a bunch of douchebag kids in a limo that flies off of a pier or something, and they're trapped in the bottom of the water in a so, limo. So, what, is that a short film? I don't see no, that to that long. Yeah, there's like more to it than that. Like, they turn on each other and... But what I don't understand is why they don't just break out one of the windows and swim to the top of the... You know, like just just leave, just leave yeah. the limo. Yeah, I, I mean, you have you have to. You can't just <laughs> you can't just hang out there <laughs> forever. <laughs> they just looked at each other and they're like, "Oh, this is well, our life now. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we live. <laughs> Let's figure it out." Oh god, yeah, it looks pretty bad. That's pretty. That's it for VOD. That's all I have uh, on that front. So yeah, it's gonna be a little bit of a rough week next week on. Blu-ray next week we have um No Escape, which is the Owen Wilson, Pierce Brosnan one. Okay. Shaun the Sheep. Okay. American Ultra. I don't recommend that one. I didn't wasn't a big fan. Ricky and the Flash. Landmine goes click. Definitely skip that one. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Blood and Lace from nineteen seventy one. I don't think that's that might be a Scream Factory. Uh Arrow is coming out with 1987's Blood Rage, which is uh, interesting. That just sounds sounds fantastic. Also, 1981's Ghost Story is uh, getting a Blu-ray release. I can't remember if I saw that or not, but I'm told that it's very good. (laughs) And that is going to be on Scream Factory as well. What do we have on the Criterion front next week? We have two Criterions. First, I just want to mention something about Fandor, because Fandor has something that is quite remarkable is that they now have out one the the long sought after French film that is 743 minutes long it was oh. originally intended as a, a, t- a television series by uh, Jacques Rivette but it is now it's on Fandor streaming and as of right now if you sign up for Fandor 60% off so people that have been trying to track down out one for ages it's there it's right there for you you can watch it and schedule your own bathroom breaks and everything. You Wait, have complete control. When you say it's sixty percent off, what what is so like with Fandor? I thought that was like a subscription thing. Is it like some movies are you pay per movie or what? Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I probably should have read a little bit more about that. <laughs> it's all sixty percent off. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Let me see if I, I, just... I find out here. I just read something on IndieWire. I believe it was about that movie. Because um, didn't didn't it just play in? It had a run yeah. of theaters. Yeah. So yeah, so I think what like a little over thirteen hours long. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Here it is. It so it made it had a sixteen day run 
uh, here in New York, and it grossed $23,855 in only 22 showtimes. Wow. Yeah, which yeah. is, that's crazy. That's a lot. That's actually quite a lot. Well, this, it's a 13 yeah. hour epic. And it's, this is one of those films that's been like, it's, a, it's almost like one of those Holy Grail type situations for cinephiles, like it's because you haven't been able to, to see it and to track it down. And now, boom, right there it is. It's on Fandor. And so it, it's, it looks like here you get, uh, I don't understand this because it says 60% off, but then when I click on it, it says 40% off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It just says give 40% off for the next 12 months, so only $6 per month, I guess, oh, okay. if you lock it in now. But I thought it was already $6 a month. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what you're paying. Maybe you're paying the insider price. I got that insider price, but I can't. I, I love FanDuel so much. Yeah, I, I hope that they come out with uh, an app for the Apple TV because then I will definitely pull the trigger on that. Oh, I love it. Such yeah. a great eclectic mix. Uh, okay, back to the criterions. We got two. I've actually seen both of these. First off, we have D.A. Pennebaker's uh, Bob Dylan Don't Look Back from 1967. Uh, obviously, a documentary on Bob Dylan. It's quite good. Highly recommend it. This uh, is uh, this is back when he was still doing his like folk. Yeah, this was his this this, folky days, right? Yeah, this was during his uh, 65 tour, which would actually be the last as him. This is right before he went electric. Okay. So it's the tail end of that. This thing seems to be jam-packed with uh, special features. I mean, my goodness. All sorts of documentaries, conversations, new interviews. Documentaries about the documentary. Documentaries about the documentaries. Alternative version of Subterranean Homesick Blues. Got a new interview with Patti Smith. All sorts of stuff in there. So I would recommend that one. And then the other one is Kurosawa's 1952 Ikaru in the old Blu-ray treatment. Cool. New documentaries on there. New English subtitle translation. Oh, that's cool. Update no subtitles. Get those subbies updated. You got them. All right. Well, I think that that was going to wrap it up for the week. Uh, be sure to send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you get a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Bye.